Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. You'll see, and I'm not alone in the studio today. Joining us is a 2023 Delta Scholar. It's Jack Thomas Spears. He's a Delta native, but he's currently studying at Mississippi College, and he's up to some good things. So welcome, Jack. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And congratulations for being a Delta Scholar. I think that's a big thing and a big accomplishment. For those of us who may not understand what that means or entails, how do you describe to someone what a Delta Scholar is? Yes, ma'am. So a Delta Scholar is a program that Mississippi State University has implemented mm-hmm. um, through the use of funding and then also their Shackles Honors College. Uh, and their whole goal is to kind of bring a positive difference in Mississippi and the broader multi-state Delta region. So as a Delta Scholar, you spend uh, two weeks during the summer in what they call like the Delta, there's a Delta week and then a Mississippi State week. So the Delta week was a seven-day kind of peruse and tour of the Mississippi Delta. Mm-hmm. So we spent time uh, mostly in Clarksdale and Cleveland, Mississippi, and then we traveled to places like Mount Bayou. We even went up to uh, Helena, Arkansas, and talked with you know community leaders and nonprofits and people working and doing work in the area to kind of give us a feel and a big. It was a large immersive experience, especially for the students who had never been to the Delta. I was um, going to say, with you growing up in Greenville, mm-hmm. then was it kind of like going home, or or Jack, did you get an opportunity to maybe see parts of the Delta you had never seen? Because I know some say once you see one part of the Delta, you may have seen it all, but that's not necessarily true either. Yes, ma'am. So it did feel like going home. And um, kind of getting back to all the flatness and all the cotton plants and all the soybeans and the rows and rows and rows that you drive past. Um, it was a comforting sight for me. While I could kind of see in other students, it was kind of eerie for them to see all the flatness, especially, um, you know, students from a northeast coast that had never experienced that before. How do you, well, what do you, or did they ask you a question? Number one, did the students who went with you, Jack, did they know that your roots were tied to Greenville? Or did you have to sort of explain, hey, you know, this is, this is kind of Delta culture, or this is what's sort of normal here? Or did you mm-hmm. sort of just let them experience it and then you sit back and kind of watch? Because either, any of that would have been fine. Yes, I'd say a little bit of both. So there were, 
there were a handful of students, I'd say five of us, that were from Mississippi um, and had Mississippi backgrounds. There's a guy from DeSoto County and then another from Madison, actually. Um, and so we had a little bit more background than the students, you know, from Michigan or oh, Tennessee, yes. places like that, that, you know, haven't been in such close proximity to the Delta. Um, and and so we got to we did get to explain some things, you know, like that's a cotton plant. And a lot of a lot of people had never even seen what a field of cotton looked like before. And you know, we were it was back in uh, June, and so the the bowls weren't going yet; they were just green plants. But they were just amazed to see what that looked like for the first time. Do the students who go on that seven day tour of the Mississippi Delta do they come in with preconceived ideas of what their project's going to be? Because as a Delta scholar, you ultimately uh, craft a project that you're going to do for your studies, or do you kind of get inspired while you're touring and sort of like what you want to do yes ma'am also a little bit of both so before the program actually starts we have a few virtual meetings where we're kind of tasked with um, kind of getting a feel of our what are what we would like to do now of course our teachers and mentors give us the advice that we could come in with this full idea this fully fleshed out plan lots of work and then that all kind of get deteriorated by nonprofits yeah. saying well that's not really what we need you know that's not really that's not really in our goals or our aspirations or that wouldn't be a tool for us that we could use so they do advise us to kind of have some simple ideas uh, kind of like with our passions like what we would want to do mm -hmm. so for my project um, I, that's what I started to look at is like my passions and kind of how that could kind of play into it. And then once we got to the Delta, we had a good amount of time to speak with the leaders and, and ask them, what do you need? You know, like what would help you? And then the seven days in the Delta culminated at the Delta Regional Forum. And so that was a forum that consists of nonprofits, of community leaders, and then also community foundations such as the Community Foundation of Northwest Mississippi, who when we kind of all came together and they spoke about different projects or things that are going on, news and events that that um, that they've held, nonprofits got to speak on like what they stand for and their voice and what their aspirations are for the next year and kind of like the the needs that they need, and that's when our uh, Delta Week ended and we headed to Mississippi State University for the next seven days, which is where we kind of got to sit down with professors. We got to sit down with policy leaders and lawmakers as well to kind of get a different side of the immersive experience that we just, in, you know, were inhabited with. Because you'd have to uh, think and, you know, working a lot in nonprofit long before radio career and seeing the Mississippi Delta, even a little bit into what your project is about, which we'll get into, Jack, you know, everyone thinks it could be so easy. There has to be an easy solution we can just fix the delta with x y and z and it's a little more complicated than that and you have to get in there and you have to get to know the community you have to oh, get to sure. understand you know the people and sort of the culture i'm curious jack what passions did you bring into like your the week that you went knowing that you wanted to pair hopefully pair x y and z with mm. something you found there Yes, ma'am. So my passions, one, I would say a great deal of passion of mine is being an outdoorsman. So I love wildlife. I love the wildlife of the Delta. Um, I, I would frequently tell my other students that, that I was with there, I would tell them how much time I spent the last fall in the Delta, you know, duck hunting and deer hunting and all of these things where I get to be in the beautiful nature that the Delta holds and the biodiversity that the area is just such a special place. Uh, and um, a lot of like one guy, um, he was this, the land manager for the Alcorn State University farm that they have uh, in, near Mount Bayou. He was telling us that, you know, there's no other place in the world like the Delta. 
No, that's, I think, uh, I, I definitely think everyone listening to Good Things would agree with that. But it also has its challenges, right? Mm-hmm. And so there, there is this idea or this opportunity there for creative solutions. And I think it's neat that, you know, they're offering these opportunities for students to come in with fresh ideas, with, with real passion, mm-hmm. and maybe see where, where their ideas can sort of fit in. When did you start to whittle down what you thought that you might could be of service for, Jack, as you sort of expand your experience as a Delta Scholar? Yes, ma'am. So I knew that I wanted to focus on food insecurity. Um, my grandparents actually immigrated to Greenville. Um, there's a big history of the – my grandparents are Chinese, and they immigrated from Hong Kong, actually. There's a big history in the early 1970s of a Chinese population moving to the Mississippi Delta and opening up small stores, you know, the corner stores, the liquor stores, the candy stores, the little corner markets with groceries and things such of that nature. And so they ran – that corner store from the early 70s into the late 90s and they closed it down and then as a you know as a, as a child I would hear stories of, you know, our grocery store. My mom would tell me things about, like, helping the community and, like, having groceries that people could come in and buy and then traveling to see aunts and uncles in the area and kind of their stores and hearing their stories. I really got to start to build, as a, as a young person, I got to build this perspective of how important groceries are for the area mm. and how important these small locally owned stores are for the area. And so then now, as I've matured and grown and thought about this a lot, the how important those small markets were for the community and then seeing how all of them have left now mm-hmm. has made such a big impact because you have all of these locally owned stores that were holding up this community. Once they all leave, your big stores such as Kroger and Walmart and others aren't going to want to move to the area. They don't see any use of it, which is a big one of the you know the adding factors of the problem of food insecurity. So I knew I wanted to chase after food insecurity and I really wasn't sure how I was going to do that until what I noticed during the forum is these, um, the presenters especially would bring up lots of facts and data. You'd see lots of statistics. You'd see lots of bar graphs. You'd see lots of line graphs. You'd hear over and over again that Mississippi, you know, is first in the hungriest and we're last in, um, in help in the Delta. And, you know, you'd hear all these numbers and things. And something I really started noticing is you didn't see faces. You didn't, see, you didn't hear voices and you didn't see people behind those numbers. Mm-hmm. And so then through that, I have a, I have a love for photography and, and videography as well um, that's kind of just sprouted within the last couple of years and that I've um, done a few things with. And so then I kind of connected those two dots, the food insecurity and the, and the photography and videography to then bring that to my project and how it is today. I think that should be in just about every boring report that we have to read about Mississippi, or really anything when we think of statistics, because we look at numbers, but each number or percentage point represents a person, represents mm-hmm. a family, represents, you know, something a little bit more important than just uh, just a number. So photographs are a perfect way to do that. Well, it sounds like you definitely have found your niche, Jack, and we're going to have more into his uh, Delta Scholar project coming up next.
making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm a morning time, yeah. We're going strong, headed up down the river. Oh, Lord, I feel the revelation. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, you can find us. We're on your computer, your mobile device. You can watch us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices. You can even find us on YouTube. You can also catch Good Things on C Spire TV. If you've got that, we're on Channel 70. I give you permission to look at the Weather Channel. You'll be a little bit happier, at least for this week here in Mississippi. I was just telling our guest who's joining us, Jack Spears. He's a Delta scholar. He is from the Delta, but he's studying there at Mississippi College. That this weather has been a nice change over the last couple of days. Tomorrow should be like 88 and I feel like I should put on my you know put on my Uggs and wear <laughs> and a winter coat. <laughs> and a winter coat. But I'm super excited about it. But I'm also excited about what the Delta scholars are doing and then obviously your project. So your project is entitled what? What's the title of your project? Yes, ma'am. So my project is right now and it may change. Yes, cuz it, it's in the beginning stages, it is. yes. Um it's titled um a deserted delta a photographic journey through the mississippi F- delta food deserts which we were sh- you were sharing what food deserts are and i told you i've said the statistic before it may have changed over the last decade of me working in this area but the average mississippian lived uh, 27 miles from a grocery store and you may mm-hmm. think oh gosh i've got you know now the dollar generals or the whatever popping up everywhere and that is part of of why they are popping up everywhere is because your smaller mom and pops left mm-hmm. but i would argue as i, I would assume your family jack that that's not the same when you had locally owned small grocery stores mm-hmm. embedded in a community who knew its neighbors better than a chain's going to know it they were able to care for their neighbors differently would your parents and family members who had small businesses feel the same yes ma'am i, I would agree with that statement um and i think that they would agree with it as well um and just hearing my grandmother you know talk about the different stories that she had within the store and then outside of the store as well and just how much they cared for the delta um like i remember one thing that she loved to do was to give um turkeys to our garbage men that came by around thanksgiving and christmas you know and just like that you know neighbor help neighbor type um coexistence of everybody helping everybody to make it you know to have the delta as it was 10 to 15 years ago. Well, and two, you get to know who your customers are, and you get to sort of sense maybe they're on hard times and they don't want to speak up, and you can mm-hmm. kind of lend a hand or be observant. Not that those who find themselves employed with some of these other chains that are popping up everywhere don't have that kind of mentality, but they don't always, because that's really not their, you know, sort mm-hmm. of, it's, not, it's it's just not the same. Let's just put it that way, For in sure. that way. So you're, you're using... Um, photos as your medium to sort of bridge this gap. I love that you shared, Jack, that you want to turn the statistics that we hear about the Delta into photos, right? Mm-hmm. So we can sort of see behind them. So how are you going to do that? Like how I know it's in the beginning stages, but yes, like what's sort of your plan to help share the Delta story through photos? Yes, ma'am. so my plan right now is I'm going to connect with food pantries um, who are actually doing the work within the Delta to help people that really struggle with food insecurity. So the goal, the overall goal of the project is to advocate for food insecurity work that's being done within the Mississippi Delta by expanding a viewer's awareness of the current work through photography. And so what that's gonna actually look like in method is 
I'm going to connect with a few different counties. So right now I'm going to try to start with five, and then as I, you know, progress and find different things and different outlets, and I'm advised by mentors and also people, other people working in the field, I'm going to try to cover the, all 18 deltas within the region. However, I'm going to start with five and just kind of make, try to really make good connections with the people working there. And because what I'm wanting, wanting to show again, as you see all these statistics and you see the bad, you see the negative, you see that we're the hungriest, we're the poorest, we're the most obese, we have the least amount of nutrition. Um, and I just want to show the flip side of that, that there are people that are, are doing the work, you know, that there are people handing out food to the hungry kids, that there are people that are giving the food, um, that there's a whole network, the Mississippi Food Network being one that is in place to feed people that are really struggling with this. And so again, to give to give that photo you know as they say a photo speaks mm -hmm. a thousand words to give that to a viewer um, in order to therefore hopefully you know garner more funds more resources more availability even volunteers for the food pantry work that's going on in the delta if even more anything else more awareness and more empathy i think can Definitely. be used in sort of this in this area because if you don't understand food insecurity or you've never been in that scenario you can come quick to have a lot of preconceived ideas but really food insecurity is just for someone who may not be able to make ends meet not all the time so you have hunger where it's like you don't mm -hmm. have any food food insecurity is when you know when the rains came Think y'all remember when it rained so much yes, we wanted it to stop. Remember those times, guys? And then people like construction and labor work weren't able to get out and sort of work, and so mm -hmm. people find themselves on hard times. Or you know, there's just so many other things that can cause a family to fall short um, and need those uh, gaps in in food um, help throughout the month. And so that's when you become under the label of sort of food insecure. It's just not mm -hmm. stable, right? Not. And and the pandemic showed us all that we were two weeks away from being. Um, hungry in our own homes, if two paychecks away, and so I think that's really good work. So you left. So you grew up in um, Greenville, yes, correct. And then your family maybe left the Magnolia State for a little while. What encouraged you when you when you were um, at the age to to do higher education to come on back to your home state? What, yes, what brought you back? Um, I would just say the feeling of home was one. Um, I will be 100% honest and say that Mississippi College was fourth on my list. And then the, there You're were, already in, right? They can't kick you out? <laughs> that's right. That's right. I hope not. We shall see. Um, and so a part of that was that I had two older brothers that went to Mississippi College. And so it did feel like, oh, well, I'm just following in their footsteps, you know, going in their mm -hmm. pathways. Um, but then uh, the three colleges that I had ahead of Mississippi College, it was just it it was as if door after door was being closed and closed and closed. And then it was just like the door of MC opened up, and I was like, well, I'm gonna have to take that leap or you know go you know do something else, you know find a, another alternative. But it was I'm pretty sure it was April at this point, so the alternative would have had to come pretty quick. Um, and then I, I decided on MC, and I couldn't have I couldn't have been happier with the choice. So how did you connect? Because I know the Delta Scholars is through um, Mississippi State. So mm -hmm. how did that opportunity come with you also being at MC? And mostly for if there's parents or grandparents who have young adults, you know, sort of thinking of mm -hmm. what they can snag for their uh, higher ed. How did how did you combine the two, or which came first? Yes, ma'am. So 
um, I actually just received an email that the school sent out about the opportunity. Um, I think it was the director of the Honors College at Mississippi College sent it out um, as a correspondence from Mississippi State Delta Scholars um, just for anybody who wanted to apply. Um, and I was actually studying abroad. I was in Costa Rica last semester when I got oh, the email. Oh, shucks. Such a hard time. <laughs> oh, it was, t- it was so hard to be there. Um, and so I got the email, and honestly, I was just like, well, you know, like, I have I have roots within the Delta. I have a passion about this. Um, you, you know, you, you go on the website, and you see, like, you see Harvard's um, seal on there and, and Vanderbilt, their, theirs as well. And so, and so, you know, I was thinking, well, I'm just at a little Christian college in, in the Mississippi, you know, like, what, what stake do I have in this? But, you know, I'll, I'll put my application in there and just see. And then um, from there, I got chosen. Um, but it's 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 a public um, application, so anybody who would like to do it can apply. And I would encourage young people to apply that have a passion for the Delta, and not and and to do it not out not as a resume builder. So to do it, you know, out of real passion, out of real care mm-hmm. for the place that that we live in, such close proximity to. You know, like from Jackson, we're f- a good maybe hour at the most two hour hour and a half two mm-hmm. hours but worlds away mm-hmm, exactly and so like we're in we're at we're at their back door and so to have care for it to actually do to do to do good instead of as i said you know a resume builder because these people need help so what are you studying at mc so i'm studying i'm a biology major um with a minor in african-american studies in spanish what's the big dream the big dream right now it's physical therapy yeah. Yes. So I'm huge on relationships. Um, I love building relationships and connections and just getting to talk to people each and every day. And so the idea of, um, you know, sitting down with somebody twice a week for six weeks and helping them walk again is and recognizing they're more than a number that That's will go right. far in whatever career that you choose. Mm-hmm. How long do you have to I want to say wrap up your project, but to do your project to finish it? Yes, ma'am. So right now, um, it's kind of it's a continuation. Mm-hmm. They would like for us. They would like to see it in continuation. Gotcha. Um, so we have we actually the Delta Scholars. The second part of it is what they call Boston Week, which will be in the beginning of November when we will actually head to Harvard and we will present what we've done. So some people with research ideas they will present their findings, other methods as they've gone on. There are other people who are trying to change policy. So kind of the updates with what they've got there, um, and then I'll basically be presenting the media um, that I will have received or taken by then. Um, And so once we get there, uh, they give us feedback, and then we're supposed to, you know, carry it out. Well, Jack, you are welcome back before November to practice your presentation and the media that you got uh, before you make it up there and just knock it out of the park. But I want to keep up with your story. I think it's great. And if anybody wants to contact you on resources that they may have for food insecurity in the Delta, can they get in touch with you? Yes, ma'am. My email is jtspears, S-P-E-A-R-S, at mc.edu. And that would be the best way to contact me. All right. I appreciate your time and what you're doing. But you guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Thank you so much. That's just how Rebecca Turner. She looks 
healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And you can find Sports Talk, Sports Talk Mississippi. They are going to be live at Sportsbook inside the Golden Moon Casino at Pearl River Resort. They are kicking off the college football season and celebrating the Sportsbook's five-year anniversary. Learn more about everything happening from golf and gaming to live events and great dining all at PearlRiverResort.com or just stay tuned and they will be there from 3 to 6 p.m. today right after Good Things. And it finally feels like a little bit of fall weather. It How, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nuts is it, Rhino, that we are really giddy over the fact that it is 90 degrees outside. It's mostly cloudy. The humidity is kind of playing nice. There's a little bit of drops of rain. Everybody got super excited about that over the last couple of days. Didn't One downpour, one gully washer, one turd floater, however you want to call it. But it was just enough for us to recognize maybe the good Lord hears our prayers and change is coming in the weather. It feels better outside today, right or wrong. Tremendously. And it is crazy that we're this happy about 90 degree weather. <laughs> and the fact that there's... Well, because with 90 degree weather, the heat index can only get so high. It 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 can tiptoe up to and around 100, but it doesn't quite get to triple digits when the cutoff for the real temperature is 90. I know. it's not, Well, it just makes you realize what you appreciate. You know, you don't take things for granted. So as the weather does get better, I know they're talking about it, it sort of um, um, horseshoeing back around to, to be in higher temperatures, but... Not nearly as bad. Not nearly as bad, and there's a break that get, we... The, Light at it's the all end of the tunnel. Cyclical. Yes, in that way. And then we'll be, we can be appreciative for true fall like weather, which makes um, today's national day a little bit easier to bear if you want to partake in it because it is actually an international day. It's International Read Comics in Public Day. So not just pull out your favorite comic and read it at home. No, they want you to get outside in your lawn chair on the front porch or in your public transportation or there at the break room, pull out your old comedy cop comic and then read it uh, for all to see. But I think it would be fun. I think the idea is to celebrate, obviously, comics for those that you enjoy them. But then also, I think, to spark conversation. Because if you saw someone in the break room, you know, opening up a Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Captain America, the Lord knows what the comics are these days the kids are, are reading, if kids even read comics anymore. And it would spark up a fun conversation. You, Which one, if you were to have brought one to work, Rhino, I know you got some at home. Which comet would you have brought to read today for International Read Comets in Public Day? Probably One Piece, just because I'm getting more and more excited the closer we get to Thursday, because Thursday, the live-action One Piece comes out on Netflix. So is that one that the cool kids are reading these days? It still comes out it in It seems comets? like it's, it's getting more and more publicity and more and more people interested, but 
I, I wouldn't dare say One Piece has been the cool kids comic ever. I mean, it's it's had a bit of an uphill battle. It it I was feel like originally it's catching steam, though. It is, but I think that's mainly because people are persistent like me that we love it and we, we wish more people could enjoy it the way we do because it is a really good story. It's just a bit of an investment when it comes to time because it's approaching 1,100 chapters of material. And when you say that, it's po- folks like me who want to duck and run. I need it to be a like a um, what's the days of our lives or like the soap operas where you can just pop in on any given day and you can sort of figure out the dysfunction and then you can go away for a couple years and come back and you can sort of figure out the dysfunction and you don't necess- what you don't know is not necessarily needed right. But there's not all storylines are that way. Some is very no. much so. You kind of need to know what's go like the backstory sort of going on. One Piece is closer to Lord of the Rings, where yeah, you could watch it just for the entertainment value, but you get more out of it if you watch it from start to finish and pay attention because there's all these little things hidden throughout that foreshadow or call back to, and it's just it's fun diving into it. Well, I think that's what many people enjoy about their comics. So I got a few fun facts since it's International Read Your Comics in Public Day, which is basically like International Comic Book Day. International, say that five times fast. Just do that. Do that and in, in, in see how that works out for you. So 1897 was the very first comic, and it was The Yellow Kid in McFadden's Flats, hmm. which I think is, is neat. Instead, it was reprints of black and white comic strips from the local paper back then. But in 1939, Action Comics, the DC Comics, introduced Superman. So he was introduced in 1939. With the iconic it. cover of Superman picking up the 30s. Was su- he an instant hit? Uh, for the most part, yeah. He he was something nobody had seen before, and for the most part, he's still kind of the mold that they built off of. And they've had to do a lot of retconning, which is a, a word for going back and changing what's already happened, because during the golden age of comics, like the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, seemed like every time you turned around, every new issue that came out, Superman had a new power that oh, just came out of nowhere. Like, you, you think of Superman, you think of he's got the laser vision. He, he can fly. fly. Which, he's that strong. in and of itself was a bit of a stretch because you remember the old TV show, he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. It wasn't flight yet. It was just he was really strong was and could bouncing. jump a long ways. He had this little tigger in him. But you get to the to the golden age and all of a sudden he can breathe out a pattern onto a picnic table and it's like where, where did this come from it's okay. he's superman he can do anything but it's okay to have limits you can be a superhero and still have kind of like your your limits you don't need to sort of have it all then it gets really confusing i guess for um for the reader in recent years the most popular say, superhero would be who do you think most popular in, in recent, recent years, years? If it's not Wolverine, it's Spider Man. Spider Man. Yeah. I feel like I don't even I don't even think like in that world and I even know Spider Man's like right now the is having a moment. There's every time you look around, there's a new movie that's come out with a different one. There's like fifteen different spider people. There's a whole spider village somewhere. I didn't even know Spider The Spider Verse. The Spider there see there you go. <laughs> there, there we have it. I didn't thought spiders were were lonesome creatures, and apparently not. There's like a they're they're everywhere, um, but you know 
there you go. What does the average person spend on comics per week per my fun facts? What do you think? 30 bucks. 16 books per month is roughly $4. It means the average reader spends about 64 every month on their books. That's wow. the price of three hardcover books. So that's average. So you're going to have average means you got those that are like the diehards that are probably spending three or four times that. And then you've got the ones that are probably closer to more reasonable 20 to sort of $30. Um, but, you know, I, you know, the more we talk about it here and sort of open up that world, at least to myself, I recognize that it's the same sort of love affair that many have just with books, like just novels or like to read things and sort of consume things. It's no different than wanting to continue your favorite story on Netflix and binge it or go back and watch, you know, previous seasons of episodes. You're just in, it's just in written sort of form. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I can... I can hold space. I can see now where that would have gotten exciting, especially back when you had to wait and there was less options and everybody was talking about it. Because when you get so many options, less people are talking about the one you're probably interested right. in. Um, but Which is why you don't yeah. have big hits on TV like Friends was a huge deal because it, it pretty much dominated that time slot. And if people watched TV during that time slot, during that day and age... You talk to your friends about friends. Because you have nothing else to compare it to, right? And now there's like so many other things. Okay, Superman number one is the most valuable comic book, which is crazy because I guess back in the day they were considered kind of disposable. So oh, yeah. So you get them and then you would throw them away because you know the next one was going to come up. What are you going to do? Just keep a stack of these things around the house forever? And then, yes, you do because... What would you guess it's that the, the current price of that book would be right now? Oh, man. Uh, it's changed hands a couple times in recent years, but I'm going to guess $7 million? Well, no, 731000 So you get a couple copies. Oh, but okay. maybe this one could have, no, you know, maybe this one didn't ask the right <laughs> Superman juggernaut. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like with the right, uh, if you had the right person who wanted it, you could probably get into. I, w I was expecting one more comma. Maybe they just forgot it in this one. But maybe. But still, because it's still a whole bunch of money to spend on a comic that you're likely never going to even thumb through because you spent so much money on it. Right. Because then you'd be afraid to open up. Because that would have been what 1939. It's not quite a hundred years old. But it's getting there. It is definitely, uh, it's definitely getting there. If you got one, we take ten percent of commissions for letting you know that it's so valuable. All right, stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm.
I knew I knew that song. If you want to feel old, how old are the Power Rangers turning today? 30 years old. Ah! Just feel the cheesy early 90s guitar licks. <laughs> Were they? Did they start out as a comic book? Uh, no, they actually started off as a Japanese live-action TV show that uh, Haim Saban bought the rights to and then just filmed interstitials. Because all of the fight scenes with the Power Rangers versus the monsters, they just cut that from a Japanese TV show and then filmed the American teenagers at the American high school set to put in between the fights. It's morphin' time. Yep. Oh, my gosh. If you did not grow up with that, then you're just in a different era. But there's, like, so many that just took it right Yeah, back. I mean, if you grew up any time from 93 to now, you, you had a good chance of growing up with one of them. I mean, they've got, what, 25, 26 different iterations since then? But I go back to, like, what we were talking about with uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well as with Rugrats and some of the others. You just can't beat the real, like, the original. And maybe it's just because you got taste of the original, so you just think everything else is, you know. And why change it? I mean, I mean, I guess some of it needs to be upgraded if you've got different technologies and things to sort of elevate it. Um, what's the little the little kid's name on Rugrats? The Tommy. Right. They screwed up his voice. Like it's not even Tommy anyway. It's his hit. Like he looks the same. But if you remember that absolutely annoying voice, and then you go back and listen to the original, and you go back and listen to the new, I mean, maybe maybe the original Tommy person just left either the show or you know moved on but and they had to get somebody new but whoever's new is not the old and i guess that's part of the problem too if if you keep something for for so long that's like with the simpsons um who it's um what's the sister's name lisa i think the lady who does her i mean she is she's the lady that does bart or is it the lady that does bart i mean she's been there since i think the beginning so when she meets elvis or decides to work less, like that's going to be an odd kind of thing. But now you got so much technology, you could probably take her voice and keep it going on for forever and ever. But did you have a back to Power Rangers? Did you have a favorite one? Oh yeah, I loved the Green Ranger because it was mind blowing, especially at the time, being a wee lad that you had this guy show up because the Green Ranger was originally a bad guy. And he showed up, and week after week after week, he was kicking the Power Rangers' butts. Like, there was no stopping him. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, whoa. Oh, wait, we can fix him. He can be a good guy. And then he joins the team. So it was just, because you had the Power Rangers. They were unstoppable. They never lost. And all of a sudden, he shows up, and he beats them week after week. Gib and Greenwood, my first crush was the Pink Ranger, a.k.a. Kelly, stole my heart. <laughs> I love that. Well, she is, well, she has to be over 30 now. She's probably pushing what? Probably Late, pushing 50, if not 50, over 50, if not sort of over it. Yeah, so she is no longer a, a teenager with an attitude anymore. She is a grown woman with an attitude. I am, I am positive of that. 1993, five ordinary teenagers exploded on the pop culture scene with the launch of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and the world has never been the same. Together, they broke down barriers. Well, you know why they have to change it up every year, right? Why? Because they ran out of stuff that they could just cut up from the original show from Japan. Mm -hmm. And in Japan, 
they change it every season. It's a it's a new cast of characters with new powers and new suits and stuff. So why not follow them? I wonder only why is there more than five now? Uh, it fluctuates from how my understanding. Primary, how many primary? I should know this. How many primary colors are there? Uh, primary is three, right? No, there's well, how and many comes in a pack? Three. How many's in a pack of crayons? Depends <laughs> on how much you want to spend. Ah, like the original. <laughs> I'm poking fun at you how because you you, you've the original cast. It's you had five. the Red Ranger, the Blue Ranger, the Black Ranger, the Yellow Ranger, and oh, the Pink six. Ranger. Oh, and then, then the you green had the one. Green Ranger who showed up, and the Green Ranger became the White Ranger. And now, through all the different seasons of it, you've had Gold Rangers, you've had Titanium Rangers, you've had Purple Rangers. You, they've had all kind of different stuff. Now you, I know you have. There's oh, there's only three primary colors. Well, that would have been good. I was thinking a pack of crayons. There should be a color for every like rainbow color, but not get into weird fuchsia and teal and sparkly blue and all the other things. Just <laughs> anyway. Take you down memory lane. If you enjoyed it, today's your day. You should reminisce. Go watch a show with your kid or pull it up and see if it still hits the same. But stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. you got the boys with Sports Talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.